Thank you so much for tuning in to Talking Sports with Evan. I am Evan, obviously, as this is my show. And uh, it's great to bring you this week's episode of Talking Sports with Evan, as um, I'm uh, very grateful to be able to. Um, I'll get to more of that in a second. Lots to discuss. Didn't do a show last week, just... In a moment, I'll explain why I just wasn't up to it. <clears throat> but this week, lots to discuss. Packers-Lions last week. Packers lose to the Lions. Going to give my thoughts on that game. Packers versus Cowboys this week. I'm going to preview that game and give my keys to the game. And then kind of what I'm looking for in this game. And I am going to uh, kind of give a shout-out slash... Um, I don't know if steal is the right word because I am giving him credit for it, but I'm going to give a, a, a shout out slash uh, steal. What one of my friends posted uh, kind of what he's looking for in the game <clears throat> as I'm kind of feeling the same way. And the Packers also made a signing uh, this week as well, which we'll see how that and what that means for Green Bay, they, they signed a they signed a safety, um, placed I should say, uh, claimed a safety, Jonathan Abram off waivers, and they're going to owe, owe him a million for the remainder of the year. And I'm going to give my thoughts around the NFL. We are, you know, going, you know, through the the season, and I'm going to give my thoughts in the AFC and NFC of the playoff contenders who are contenders and who are pretenders and give my thought there. And if you want to comment on who you feel out of the win teams with winning records in the NFL are, who are pretenders and who are contenders, feel free to comment and I will read them uh, during the show as well. So <clears throat> as I mentioned, very grateful to be able to do this show today. I uh, wasn't feeling quite right um Sunday especially took myself to the ER and turned out I had uh blood clots in my lungs I was dealing with um <clears throat> not really sure how long they were there but it was bad and uh needless to say I'm very grateful that I can still be here with you all doing the show because if I would have waited longer to go in who knows uh, how things would have turned. Uh, I was out of the hospital by Tuesday and back to work today at my full-time job. Still going to give it a, a few days before I completely get everything back to normal. But the fact that I'm able to work um, back to work today and <clears throat> be able to provide a show for you, I'm extremely grateful for. And I want to send a big thank you to everybody um, who reached out. Um, touched base with me, visited me, sent me messages, um, commented on my social media, sent me, <clears throat> sent me gifts, sent me flowers, whatever you sent me. It is greatly appreciated. Sorry, move my arm on my computer. I didn't mean to shake it like that. It is greatly appreciated, and words can't express how grateful I am to each and every one of you. Um, Last week, just didn't feel healthy enough to do a show, and obviously it turned out that I wasn't, and spent a few days in the hospital. So, it is great to be back to be able to, to do uh, this show with you. 
So the first thing I want to discuss, Packers-Lions. Packers fall to the Detroit Lions last week, unfortunately, um, 15-9. And obviously things have not looked good for Green Bay really at any point this year. They looked very good against the Bears. Um, but even then, they had a hard time stopping the run. Um, I don't think they scored in the second half. <clears throat> but overall, the Packers have definitely struggled. They have failed to put together four quarters of football. They have a good they have a good half, then they have a bad half. They have a bad half, then they have a good half. Um, gonna go game by game here really quick. Bear with me. <clears throat> but week one, the defense played a lot better against the Vikings than it was than it did in the second half than it did in the first half. Offensively, they couldn't get it going. Against the Bears, probably their most complete game of the year. Tampa Bay, Packers dominated the first half, moved the ball at will, kept Tampa Bay from moving the ball. They ended up almost losing it there at the end, uh, stopping a two-point conversion attempt that would have sent the game into overtime. Against the Patriots, awful first half, much better second half, sent it to overtime and won. Against the Giants, great first half, awful second half. Against the Jets, pretty decent first half, especially defensively, played awful in the second half. Against the Commanders, Packers played a strong first half, fell apart in the second half. Buffalo, awful first half, fell apart, uh, played really well in the second half. Detroit, didn't really have much success against Detroit overall. That was just a bad game in general. And the, the, the biggest issue with Green Bay is they cannot put a full game together. They, they, they struggle in spurts. They start out well, then they, then they fall apart. They start slow, dig themselves into a hole. It's too late. They end up, you know, making some noise at the end. But like I said, it's too late. And that showed in the Detroit game as they finally started having success moving the ball in the sec, in the, uh, you know, scoring nine, all nine points in the second half. Rodgers is finally finding success throwing the ball, but they couldn't score at the end to, to, to win it, and they lost to Detroit 15-9. to And the Detroit game, a lot of unfortunate events. They had the ball in the red zone twice in the first half, and Rodgers threw interceptions. One that deflected off of a face mask when he was trying to squeeze the ball through and went up in the air and the Lions ended up coming down with it. And the other one was supposed to be a, a trick play to David Bakhtiari, lineman eligible play. And it was probably the worst throw Aaron Rodgers have, has ever made in his entire NFL career as it was intercepted by Lions first round pick in this year, uh, Adrian Hutchinson. That's pretty much how the game went for Green Bay. Um, Rodgers had a, a good shot uh, in the middle of the field. It could have went for a touchdown, underthrew um, Torrey, and it got knocked down. A throw to uh, Bobby Tun- Tunyon uh, in, into the end zone, got underthrown and intercepted. <clears throat> Rodgers was off all game, and I know it's not all on Rodgers, but Rodgers was off all game against Detroit. He ended up leading the team in rushing with 40 yards. So it was good to see Rodgers moving his feet a little bit more in this game. But offensively, Lions daring them to throw, which is uh, very hard to fathom at this point because 
they typically don't. Uh, teams typically try to dare the Packers to run by <clears throat> having two deep safeties all the time, but they ended up daring Green Bay to throw the ball, <clears throat> and the Packers couldn't make th- the throws, and they ended up falling flat. Stupid mistakes, stupid penalties. Um, Jair Alexander, right before halftime, while the Lions were trying to score something, which they did, had an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty after the runner ran out of bounds. He threw him to the ground. Teams teams can't make these mistakes. The Packers especially cannot make these mistakes. They don't have the talent of old to overcome the mistakes that they made in this game. Throwing two red zone interceptions, throwing a third interception right by the goal line. Um, for some reason, on first and 10 at the 17, still can get a first down, taking pretty much four shots at the end zone with two timeouts. Like, there's just a lot of little things that add up to big things that are hurting Green Bay right now. And I guess at this point, do the Packers have the ability still at this point of the season, do they have the ability to get on a run and try to make something happen? And at this point, I don't know. The Cowboys coming into town this week, very good football team. Going to get more on that in a minute. The Titans are starting to find their groove, even with losing to the Chiefs this past week. But they did lead that game for a good chunk of it. The Eagles are currently the only undefeated team in the NFL right now. <clears throat> the Bears are playing much better football overall. The Rams are <clears throat> going to be about as desperate as Green Bay is. The Dolphins are playing really good football. The Vikings are running away with the division. And then you got the Lions again at home to close out the year. So at this point, I really don't know if Green Bay has enough to turn things around. But the thing is, it has to start somewhere. And they have to start stacking success. And against Dallas is a great place to start stacking success. They're coming into your town, your your stadium. There's going to be a lot of emotions. Uh, Mike McCarthy coming back to Lambeau Field for the first time as a coach since being let go. Um, Aaron Rodgers facing Mike McCarthy for the first time in his career. Quarterback, I mean, a coach that really helped Rodgers become the quarterback that he became. So there's going to be a lot of emotions flying in this game and the, the fans in attendance <clears throat> likely going to be um, a very emotional too. either hopefully doing the right thing and showing appreciation for what, what uh, Mike McCarthy gave to the Green Bay Packers over his career from 2006 until 2018. Although things didn't end well in the past couple, the past, the last couple years under McCarthy, were very stressful, to say the least, very annoying, to say the least. Hopefully, uh, you know, they give, um, hopefully they give McCarthy the appreciation uh, he does deserve as a coach that um, helped uh, get Green Bay another Super Bowl and helped Aaron Rodgers develop into one of the top quarterbacks in the game even if Aaron Rodgers isn't playing like one of the top quarterbacks in the game right now. But I guess perfect segue into the Packer-Cowboy game. It's going to be a tough matchup. 
the Cowboys are a very talented team, starting with quarterback Dak Prescott. As much as people try to to put him down, he's a really talented quarterback, and the offense flows much better with him in there. He can run a little bit. He can extend plays, move the pocket, and he can push the ball down the field. Now the question is, who is he going to push it downfield to is a whole other story, but he can push the ball down the field and make things happen. Ezekiel Elliott, eh, probably past his prime, but he's a back that can still uh, give you, you know, can still damage you a little bit with his running ability. And Tony Pollard is a very good running back, as we saw against the Bears two weeks ago. He ran all over, through, and around the Chicago Bears, including a 50-some-odd touchdown run as they beat the Bears pretty handily. I think it was like 49-21. Michael Gallup coming back from ACL injury. He's a very talented wide receiver. Outside of that, they don't really have a lot. Noah Brown, Jalen Tolbert, really nothing special. Dalton Schultz is a very talented tight end. If the Cowboys do have a weakness. It is on the offensive line, and Tyler Smith has struggled at times at left tackle, and that's been one of their weaknesses, and maybe that's something the Packers defensively can't exploit by getting pressure on Prescott and forcing Prescott to make poor decisions. But that's going to be on Joe Barry to put the defense in position to make plays and make things happen and try to, uh, to win those football games. Defensively, the Cowboys are very tough. They have a very good pass rush led by Demarcus Lawrence, uh, one defensive end, and uh, Micah Parson, who is listed as an outside linebacker. But in reality, Micah Parson is one that the Cowboys love moving around, playing a more off-ball linebacker. They put him at outside as a rusher. They put him inside, rushing from the outside, rushing from the inside. Great sideline-to-sideline guy. uh, Gets a lot of tackles, really aggressive at attacking the <clears throat> the line of scrimmage, definitely someone you have to you have to worry about a lot if you're Green Bay. You have to know where Micah Parsons is at all times because the one time you you don't account for him, that's going to be the play that Micah Parsons comes through and completely disrupts the game. Look at the game against the Rams. Micah Parsons, well, Aaron Donald and Micah Parsons were the two best players on the field during that game. Trayvon Diggs as a corner can be burned, um, but he's a ball hawk. He can get his hands on footballs as well and take it the other way. Malik Hooker has been a very, very good safety, as has uh, Jalen Curse hasn't been too bad as well. But the Cowboys are a tough team. It's going to be a tough go for Green Bay, and things don't look that great for the Packers this week. It's going to be tough to beat the Cowboys, and this is where I'm going to kind of – Throw a shout out to my buddy Scott, um, Scott Irwin, and he had posted this, and I was gonna, you know, kind of say it in my own way, but I kind of like how he uh, he said it. He uh, put out on his Facebook um, a few things uh, he kind of wants to see against the the Packers. Now, I'm not gonna say they're gonna lose against the Cowboys. I I still think they have a chance to beat the Cowboys, but things I want to see is enough with the boneheaded penalties, the illegal procedures, things like that. Enough with that. You're going to get called for holding on occasion. You're going to get called for illegal hands to the face on occasion. It's football. It's going to happen. But stop with the mental errors of penalties like your illegal procedures or your unsportsmanlike conduct, which I think the last three games 
the Packers have had an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty caught on them. Um, you had last week um, unsportsmanlike conduct on Alexander for tackling a player out of bounds. You had it two weeks ago against Buffalo when uh, when Quay Walker shoved the practice squad tight end out of bounds well after the play was over, got ejected from the game. And I think the game before that, Savage had a penalty for a, a late hit out of bounds or tackle out of bounds or something like that. But they've just had too many mistakes, too many errors that have pretty much put the Packers in the hole that they're in. And these mental mistakes, they cannot overcome them. They're not talented enough to overcome these mental mistakes. The Packers at this point need to play almost perfect football in order to win these games. And when you have mental mistakes like legal procedure, unsportsmanlike conduct, receivers running the wrong route like Sammy Watkins, uh, running a slant route when you're supposed to run a fade route, things like that, you're going to you're going to have issues. Offensive line has been better the past couple weeks on pass blocking. I think Rodgers got sacked one time against Detroit. That's been better, but they still struggle to um, pick up stunts at times, not as much as they used to. But one thing I would like to see Green Bay do um, that Scott brought up is let's get some good tempo going on offense. None of this, let's run a hurry up, but not really run a hurry up because we're going to still run the play clock down to zero. Let's show some urgency out of the huddle. Let's show some urgency when you do no huddle, get lined up, have a couple plays in reserve to run a couple cam plays, look over as the defense lines up, call a can play, snap the ball, run the play, try to catch the defense on their heels a little bit. I get that there's times where, Running the play clock down is beneficial, but there's situations, especially when you're third and long, fourth down, things like that. Teams know when you're going to snap the ball, and if it's third down and long, especially, they know you're likely throwing the football, so they're just going to pin their ears back and wait, and they know once the uh, play clock gets closer to zero, they're going to they're gonna have a nice head start trying to get after the quarterback. So let's play some better tempo. Let's get to the line of scrimmage, show some urgency, snap the ball, get the playoff, and let's put the defense on their heels. Too often this year on both sides of the ball, they're letting the other team dictate what they're doing. Either out of fear, playing soft zone all the time against Kirk Cousins when you got Jefferson as a wide receiver. Um not not attacking enough for some reason they didn't attack Jared Goff enough quarterback that's uh, doesn't play well under duress instead they don't attack enough and he has time to throw the football and he takes advantage of it um let's start dictating what you what te- let's start doing the dictating let's start attacking teams let's start putting teams on their heels against the bears earlier this year the Packers put the Bears on their heels early on, and the Bears couldn't get out of it. Let's do that against the Cowboys. Now, I like the premise of the the uh, tackle-eligible play to David Bakhtiari. I like the idea. I like the thought behind it because it's something different, um, something a team is not expecting. But what I didn't like, obviously, was the throw. I'm not saying run that every week, 
but let's start getting a little more creative and aggressive with some of our play calls so we can try to catch the the teams on their heels, simplify the routes a little bit, um, you know, I, and I know that's partially Rogers' issue is the routes might be too complicated for the wide receivers to run them. So let's simplify some of these routes a little bit. Let's run some crossing patterns. Let's run some, you know, deep hooks. Let's run some fly patterns, things like that. And yes, you're going to have things even more difficult. Sammy Watkins is pretty much a corpse out there. Romeo Dobbs is out for a good chunk of the season now. Christian Watson, unfortunately, can't stay healthy. Uh, concu- I'm not going to blame him for a concussion because he can't prevent that. But knee injury, hamstring, concussion, then a shoulder. He hasn't shown he can be he he can be dependable. But you got to find ways to move the football and keep teams on their heels, <clears throat> so they don't know what you're doing. So they're not going to be they're not going to show as much pre snap. And one of the ways you do that is attack the line of scrimmage early on. Don't let the play clock run down to zero all the time. Run with some more urgency. Pick up the tempo. Pick up the tempo on the line of scrimmage. When you know, snap the ball quicker. You get to the line of scrimmage quicker. Enough of this walking, things like that. And the other thing he brings up is let's be more aggressive. I know the Packers aren't a, quote, physical team, but let's be more aggressive. Let's attack a quarterback. Dak Prescott, very good quarterback. Send an exotic blitz every now and then. The Packers send five pass rushers, very basic. They send four or five pass rushers. I get it. They're one of the teams that rush blitz more than any team in football, sending five pass rushers more than anybody else. But the thing is, you're not getting creative with it. You're sending the four or five guys straight up. Do twists, do stunts, do delayed blitzes. Show an A gap and send another linebacker B gap. Go Show in one B gap and twist around and go through the other A gap. Get creative on your defense and start putting pressure on the Cowboys line of scrimmage. Let's be aggressive. And then the passive-aggressive finger-pointing and passing blame and things like that, that's something that Rodgers needs to stop with as well. He did a better job after the loss against the Cowboys saying that he, quote, made some shitty throws and his throws on the interceptions were shitty. You know, that's a step of him kind of taking on that responsibility in that role, but he needs to continue to adapt as a leader and understand that these are young receivers and you have to be a little bit more patient. And I get we're nine games into the season. We're three and six. Patience is starting to run low. I get that. I understand that. But you still have to treat these receivers with kids' gloves. That's you, you unfortunately still have to do. Randall Cobb's not coming back for a few weeks. Sammy Watkins is a, a corpse out there. And you got a bunch of young guys that don't have a lot of NFL, if any, NFL experience prior to this year. You you got to be smart and be a little bit more chill and laid back in your criticism and be a teacher. You know how in Rogers commented, I think to you know Jason Wildy on uh, Jen Gabe and Chewy on ninety four five ESPN Wisconsin was talking about this today. 
that Rodgers feels he's run the offense the way it's supposed to be run more so than any time during the Matt LaFleur tenure, tenure, tenure at this point. Well, the thing is, it doesn't look like it at times. And if that's the point, like I said, simplify things even more and go go to the basics. Go run the basics. I know there was one throw or one play where Rodgers got sacked that was circulating social media, how he had two guys wide open across the middle. The biggest problem was those two, uh, those two guys were not supposed to be there. Lazard and Tanyan were not supposed to be there, and from my understanding, and there they were in the middle of the field. So it's not just your young guys that are struggling to run routes and things like that. It's a number of guys that are doing it, and it's it's disappointing. And little things build up to big things, and the Packers, unfortunately, for the bad little things, don't have enough to overcome them when it's constant over multiple positions all over the place. If you can do little positive things, build that up to big things, you can go a lot further. And let's run some line, uh, running back screens. Instead of doing the quick screens of the receivers on the edge all the time, do some traditional screen passes to Dylan. Do some traditional screen passes to um, Aaron Jones, who should be good to play this week. So <clears throat> a lot of things, you know, I haven't really gone into any of the X's and O's preview of this game, but I think uh, Scott brought up a lot of great points. I I think the Packers pull off the win. I think it would be a, a, a three, four-point win. That's the one point where we disagree with what he said. But he said a lot of great points in his post that – the things he needs to needs to see, we need to see this week. He also talked about uh, um, being able to scheme and make proper adjustments on both sides of the ball. That's something they haven't done as well. Hold each other accountable as a coaching staff. Um, you have LaFleur talk each and every week, and I talked about this a few weeks ago, that I like Matt LaFleur. But I'm growing really sour on him. I'm starting to lose my 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 like of him because he repeats the same thing game after game after game, says the same thing game after game after game, but yet it's the same thing every week and nothing changes. And that's on him. You're the head coach, be a leader, speak up, and start demanding accountability from your locker room, including your quarterback, number 12. Start putting guys in better positions to win on both sides of the ball. And now you kind of have to. Eric Stokes is likely done for the year. Rashawn Gary, done for the year. Probably going to miss part of next year with a torn ACL. You got to start doing better. And the Packers did make one move. Um, I mentioned uh, they signed a safety claimed the safety off waivers uh, from the Raiders, Jonathan Abraham. And again, uh, kudos to Scott for bringing that suggestion up. Uh, they need to claim this guy off waivers. Abraham isn't going to do much for you in coverage. But the thing is, he's a, he's a guy who you can trust near the line of scrimmage to make some tackles, play in the box play to his strengths, which is down in the box. And that way you can put Savage in more slot coverage type situations without Stokes. You're going to 
have to play Douglas on the outside more, meaning you need some slot options. And Nixon and Savage are not bad nickel and dime options in the slot. And Savage gets to maybe go to some place he's more comfortable being, which is defending his, uh, from the slot position. And obviously he needs to work on his tackling because his tackling is awful. But we'll see what happens on Sunday. Maybe maybe Joe Barry has something up his sleeves. I don't know. I know I'm I'm positive that McCarthy is going to be cordial to Rodgers. He's going to say all the right things. He's already said all the right things. But I know there's likely a piece of there's likely a piece of McCarthy that wants to come in on Sunday at 3:25 and completely bolt race the Packers. Stick it to McCarthy. Stick it to uh, stick it to Goody and stick it to Murphy. I'm sure he would love to do that. But I think the Packers squeak out a win. I think they win by three or four points, and then it's uh, Tennessee Titan week. So, moving on. Before I let you go, um, jumping around the NFL. Um, division leaders right now, you got the Bills, and then you got the Jets and Dolphins, a game behind the Bills, with both the Jets and the Dolphins having tiebreakers over the Bills, and then you got the Patriots at 5-4, and four, a division that I don't think anybody saw every team being above 500 at this point, has every team above 500 at this point. The division, most people, myself included, thought that you would have every team over 500, the AFC West. You have two teams over 500, the Chiefs at 6-2 and two and the Chargers at 5-3. and three. In the NFC North, you have the Ravens at 6-3, and three, the Bengals at 5-4, and four, both over 500. And in the AFC South, you got the Titans at 5-3, and three, and then everybody else sucks. The Colts, for some bizarre reason, hired Jeff Saturday to be their interim coach. Don't really understand why you're giving Jeff Saturday the job. Um, he hasn't coached anywhere professionally ever has not been a coordinator has not been the NFL line coach. He's been an ESPN analyst the last handful of years since retiring from the NFL. Now, all of a sudden he is the interim head coach for the Indianapolis Colts. Jacksonville three and six apologize being a little harsh on them. They're still rebuilding new coaching staff, still getting things situated there. And the Texans, everybody expected the Texans to, to suck. So out of the AFC, the the teams with the winning records, are they contenders or pretenders? I'm going to start with Buffalo because Buffalo is a little difficult right now. Josh Allen de- dealing with a bad elbow, um, UCL injury, which typically for baseball players, if it's a torn UCL, typically results in Tommy John's surgery. So it'll be interesting to see how severe that elbow injury is. With Josh Allen, the Bills are definitely contenders. They have one of the most talented offenses and defenses in the NFL with Josh Allen. Without Josh Allen, I have to call them pretenders. I don't think Chase Keenum wins you games in um, in your stadium or an Arrowhead um, stadium in the playoffs when you need a victory. The Jets, 6-3, and three, they're pretenders. Um, they're having a very great year. It's good to see the Jets have been really bad for a long time. I think they're a team that could potentially make the playoffs. 
but I just don't think they're going to do anything uh, once they make the playoffs. They're they're not quite there yet. Great coaching. Um, Salah, great head coach. Um, I think Salah has done wonders building up that team. The Dolphins, I'm torn on the Dolphins. Tua is a much better quarterback than most people give him credit for. He is one of the leading uh, court, he, he's one of the leading quarterbacks in quarterback rating in the fourth quarter. So that means in clutch time, he shows up. He also has a really great supporting cast, and the Dolphins have done a great job building that supporting cast around him. But at the same time, they're a team that's allowed more points than they scored. I know there's two games that Tua didn't play due to concussions and whatnot, and they were playing uh, – God only knows who at quarterback at that point. I think uh, Brian Leftwich even might have got an opportunity to play quarterback at some point with how devastating their quarterback position was after Tua got hurt. Yes, I'm exaggerating. Brian Leftwich didn't actually get to play. I'm just using that as an example. But the Dolphins went fully healthy, especially with the trades they made at the deadline. I think the Dolphins are legit contenders. I know it's hard for a first-year head coach to come in and make some noise, but they're a team that definitely could cause problems in the playoffs, and I could potentially see that happening. In the AFC, Kansas City Chiefs, definitely contenders. Some offensive line concerns, some running game concerns. When um, your quarterback leads your team in both passing and rushing yards, it's definitely... uh, Troubling, but the the Chiefs are definitely contenders. Their defense needs a little to be desired, but like I said, they're definitely contenders at six and two. The Chargers at five and three are pretenders. Um, they have a great quarterback, great talent on both sides of the ball. I just don't think they have the coaching. I think this is a a, a spot to add to keep your keep your eye on as a potential landing spot for a Sean Payton next year as I think the the Chargers might decide to make a change um, and go a different direction than they currently are in because they have too much friggin' talent um, to be struggling the way they are. They've another team that's allowed more points than they've scored, and I just think Staley is, a, is probably in a, uh, in a bit too in his – too much over his head at this position. Some guys are meant to be coordinators. Staley showed in one year he was a, a very good coordinator. Maybe he's just not meant to be a head coach. Nothing wrong with that. Baltimore, I put Baltimore as pretenders at this point. They definitely have the defense after what we saw, what they did to the Saints this past week. <clears throat> they have the quarterback, but do they have the talent around the quarterback? to truly be contenders. They have they leave a lot to be desired in their in their locker room at this time. A lot of injuries at running back, um, some injuries at wide receiver. They're a team I don't necessarily necessarily want to meet up with in the playoffs, but at the same time, Lamar Jackson can only do so much and they've they've lost 3 times this season. They're 6 and 3. And in all three losses, they had double-digit leads at one point in the game, and they end up losing. And that's concerning to me. 
to call them contenders at this point. The Bengals, they're pretenders to me right now, with, especially with with Chase injured at the t- at this moment. I'm not ready to say that the Bengals are going to repeat as AFC champions right now. The Titans, pretenders. Um, right now, you're starting a rookie quarterback. Tannehill, when healthy, is very limited. You don't really have a lot to throw the football to in Tennessee. You're just the best in the bad division. Um, Coach Jaguars and Texans. It doesn't. It doesn't. Uh, doesn't take much to win that division. Under 500 teams, it could if they get things right. Could they cause a problem? The Broncos. I guess maybe, but I guess what I'm saying is the. Only teams to me right now in the AFC East that are true contenders are Buffalo, the Dolphins, and the Chiefs. The Ravens are very close to me. If they can get healthy, if they can stay healthy, they're definitely a contender. But they're, I guess Baltimore is a tweener to me. I guess that's the safe thing to say. Baltimore right now is a tweener. They're not quite pretenders right now because of their health, but they're not really pretenders either because they are a very talented team. They just have had some very bad injury luck. Jump into the NFC, the Eagles 8-0. and I think the Eagles are definitely legit. They got a great defense. They're playing to Jalen Hurts' strengths. Jalen Hurts is definitely a very good quarterback. And like I said, the Eagles are playing to his strengths. And They have a solid tight end in Dallas. They have a great wide receiver in A.J. Brown, and they got a strong running game with Miles Sanders and company. And I like the the makeup of that team right now. And defensively, they're playing stout football. They've given up 135 points this season. Not quite the least amount, but they're a team that gets after it, and they definitely can make you struggle. The Cowboys are another team that, to me, are contenders, mainly because of that defense. If they ride Pollard more than they do Elliott, they are a team that definitely can make some noise in the playoffs. And when the Eagles and Cowboys played, it was not a fully healthy Cowboy team as Dak Prescott was not back from injury yet. So it was Cooper Rush starting a quarterback for the Cowboys. And for the longest time, the game was a close game that easily could have went the other direction. But the Eagle, I mean, the Cow- yeah, Eagles pulled it away at the end. The Giants are definitely pretenders. They're a great story. They're well coached. They're playing hard. Their defense is playing solid, but they just they're limited talent wise, and that only gets you so far in the playoffs. In the NFC West, the Seahawks are sitting pretty at six and three, but to me, they're pretenders. They're riding Geno Smith right now, who is having an outstanding season. But I'm still not 100% sold on Geno Smith yet. I think it's a great story. It's an example of maybe why you shouldn't give up on a guy so soon. But I just see that eventually fading. I, I And I don't see Geno Smith winning very many playoff games for you. The 49ers, when healthy, can be contenders. But they're a very injured team right now, especially on defense. And they're still only allowing 147 points uh, this season um, through eight games. But they're just a team that's just too banged up right now. And if they can be healthy, they're definitely contenders um, come playoff time. The Rams, 
they're not going to pull. They're not going to do anything this year at three and five. They might win a few games for you, but their offensive line is a mess. And the Cardinals, I predicted that Kingsbury is likely going to be let go at some point, and I still think it's going to happen. The Vikings, to me, are not contenders. The Vikings have had a lot of luck go their way, a lot of bounces go their way, and they've played teams at the right time. Not to be disrespectful to what the Vikings have done to jump out to a 7-1 and record, but they they remind me a lot of the 2019 Packers. That's what the Vikings remind me of right now, the 2019 Packers. So they beat the Lions 28-24. Their only super convincing victory was week one against Green Bay, 23-7. They lost 24-7 against the Eagles. They beat the Saints 28-25. They squeaked by the Bears 29-22. They beat the Dolphins 24-16. They squeaked by the Cardinals 34-16. And they squeaked by the Commanders 20-17. Not to to downgrade the Vikings per se. They're very, they have talent. But I'm just not 100% sold on the Vikings. They're they're winning in, I don't want to say lucky ways per se. But things are going their way. I think they're a year um, or two, depending on what happens with their cap. I think they're a year or two ahead of schedule. And I think you're going to see, if Josh Allen plays, you're going to see a similar Packer 49ers in 2019 regular season where the 49ers just completely bolt race Green Bay. I think that's something if Josh Allen is able to play, that's something you could see this week against the Vikings. Maybe they'll prove me wrong, but they're playing with fire too much, in my opinion, right now. The rest of the division, not very good. Packers and Bears, both three and six. Packers have scored just 154 points this year, giving up 188. Not not that great. <laughs> but they're uh, less than, well, a little more than 20 points more than what the Vikings have given up this year. And they've given up less points than the Bears and the Lions have. NFC South is a complete cluster. You know what? There's really no clear-cut favorites in the NFC South whatsoever. I don't even know where to start. The Buccaneers and Falcons are at 4-5 and five currently. The Falcons currently playing the Panthers. Saints at 3-6. and six. Panthers at 2-7. and seven. I said on my season preview episode that Tampa Bay would not win the division due to a bad offensive line and, you know, a few other things I mentioned. You can find that anywhere uh, Talking Sports with Evan is found. If you go back to September, I think I even titled it NFL Preview Edition. But anyway, now I think Tampa Bay ends up stealing division. They end up stealing division because they're the best of crap, pretty much. Falcons aren't any good. The Saints aren't any good. And the Panthers suck. And I think they've given up on the year. So, with that said, thank you all for watching. I'm very grateful to be able to be here to bring you an ep- uh, edition of Talking Sports with Evan. Follow me on Twitter at Evan Witt Sports. You can see it in the bottom of the screen, right, right there, right by my thumb. Can't quite get my finger there. There we go, right? 
Yeah, right at the bottom of the screen, Talking Sports with Evan with Sports. You can find me on Facebook at Talking Sports with Evan and follow along and uh, join the page. And yeah, so with that said, I will get back at you next week. Hopefully talking about a Packer victory over the Cowboys and previewing Packers and Titans. And I promise I will be talking some Milwaukee Bucks next week as well as some Milwaukee Brewers. With that, have a great rest of your week, everybody. I'll get back at you later.